Welcome to Thrive Church. We are glad to have you with us. My name is Judah. I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive, and so we welcome you to uh, one of our campuses, Terryville, Torrington, New Britain, or online. We're so glad to have you joining uh, with us as we kick off a brand new series this week called Good News. The good news, you know, isn't that what we're all looking for? We would like to have a little bit of of good news. I mean, it seems like we have been inundated with bad news, uh, you know, all of our lives, but especially in the last couple of years, right? It seems like everything that we see online and on TV and, and everywhere, it, it's always this, this bad news, this bad news, and, and we're longing for a little bit of good news. If you've been around church for any amount of time, most likely you've heard of this, this term kind of come up. It's, it's this word, the gospel, the gospel. And, and what that word literally means is, is it means the good news. The gospel is the good news. Now, originally, in the original language, this word gospel was actually a military term, which meant a victory over your enemies, so uh, in the Roman times, for example, the Romans, they would go and they would have a battle against an enemy. And if they won, if they were victorious, as they often were, they would uh, say that this was the, the gospel, it was the good news. And they would have celebration for this good news that they had that they won the war. And it was great news. But if you think about it, it was kind of not really good news for everybody, was it? Like it was good news for the Romans, but it wasn't that good a news for their enemies, Right? So what was good news for one person wasn't good news for another. See, now we use the, the word the gospel, and, and, and I believe that the gospel is the good news, not just for one type of people, but it's good news for all of us. It's the good news for all of us. Now, the Apostle Paul, as he was writing in Scripture, he was often using this word gospel in relation to the message of Jesus Christ. He was referring to it as the good news, the victory, the victory over sin and death that we have won, and this is the good news. Now, when we hear the word gospel, it can be a little confusing because we also use it later on. They, they adopted the word to designate the first four books of the New Testament. We call them the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the gospels. And so it's, it's the same word, but kind of different usage. Yes, it's still good news. It's the good news of Jesus talking about how he won, but the gospel itself, what we're talking about through this series is the good news of salvation, how Christ came, how he died for our sins and forgave us. In your notes, if you're taking them, the gospel is the good news that we have victory through Jesus Christ, and that is good news. It's good news to know that we are victorious. What better news is there than the news of victory? If you're at war, if you're having a, 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 a lawsuit, if you're in an argument, man, it's good news when you have victory. The gospel is the good news that we have victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, he says this, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Do we ever find ourselves ashamed of the good news, ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
Are we ashamed uh, that, that we're serving God, that, that we attend church, that we read scripture? Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ because it's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This is good news, not just if you're of Jewish descent, but also if you're not, which is very good news for us because most of us are not of the Jewish lineage. We're not of that nationality. So this is good news. It says this good news tells us how God made us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This is good news. Not only is it good news, it's the best news. So the question we may be wondering is what is this good news and how does it impact me? Well, there's four aspects of the gospel, of the good news, that we're going to be taking a look at throughout the four parts of this series. But first, we're going to be beginning with this principle, this law, this rule, is that God loves you. Did you know that? That God loves you? That God knows you by name and that he loves you? You know, everyone in our world is looking for love. We all have this inbuilt desire to be loved by someone and to offer love to someone. We all have this desire. And have you ever wondered why we all have this same need? Have you ever wondered, like, like why do we all have this desire to love and to be loved? See, if there's a universal need, there's also a universal solution to that need. It won't be found in relationships that we have here on this earth, it'll only be found in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, we have this insatiable desire to be loved. Well, what is it that drives us, and many times, to go against our better judgment in order to gain love? Why is that? Because love is connected to value. Love is connected to value. It's inseparable. See, if someone loves you, that means that they also value you. They value you. If you truly love something, don't you take care of it? You value the things that you really love. For example, if you have a car and you love that car, what are you going to do? You're going to wash it. You're going to vacuum it. You're going to wax it. You're going to take care of it. Like, you might not take a shower, but you're giving your car a bath, you know? It's like, like we're, we're trying to take care of it. Maybe, maybe it's shoes. You're going to take care of it. Maybe it's a pet. You're going to take care of it. Maybe it's your, your phone. You know, you got, you got a new phone. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of the things that I love, the things that I value. When you love something, you value it. And in your notes, every person was created to be loved and to be valued. That's what we want. It's one of our deepest desires. I want to be loved and I want to be valued. I want people to love me and I want them to value me. We don't want to be hated and thought of as worthless. Now, we've all done things, right, in our life. We've all done things to get people to love us and to value us. Maybe we've done things to try to impress somebody. We've done things to, to try to fit in. Maybe, maybe you've tried to dress a certain way so that people place value on you. Maybe you're just pretending, but you want to you wanna fit in. You know, when I was, when I was a teenager, I was a skater, and, and, I, and I loved skateboarding. But there was a kind of person that us skaters didn't like, and they would dress the part, but they didn't actually skate. We call them posers, right? 
What was a poser? They were just posing. They'd come with the, with the skate shoes and the pants and all the stuff. They looked the part, but like their jeans weren't ripped and their, their shoes weren't all shredded up. You look at them like, you've never been on a skateboard in your life. What are you doing? See, we do things in order to fit in. We wear certain bands on our shirt. We listen to certain music. We act certain ways. We drive certain cars. We live in certain neighborhoods so that people will value us, respect us. We're trying to make ourselves popular and attractive and cool so that people will put a value on me. So why does God love us? God loves us. Why does he love us? Because he made us. Like he made us. He made us, and he made us in his image. He made us to be like him. It's like, like if, you're, if you're an adult and you have decided that you want to have children, Many people, the reason why they, they do that, especially if maybe they're having difficulty having children and they want to have children, is because they want to have someone that they can show love to. See, that's why God created us. God created us because he wanted someone to show his love to. God is love. The source of all love is ultimately God. It started with him and not us. See, God loved us not because you are so lovable. Some of you are lovable, but some of you are kind of prickly, right? Some of you aren't, like I, know, like, I know sometimes I'm a little bit, you know, hard to love as well. Some of us, we're, we're not the most lovable, but God loves us because he created us. God loves us because he made us. And your notes, God loves you because he chose to. See, it's not about how lovable you are. It's about how loving he is. It's about the fact that he loves us so much that he is love, and he chose to love us not because we were good, not because we were so lovable. It says in 1 John 4.16, it says, We know how much God loved us. We've put our trust in his love because God is love. And all who live in love, love, live in God, and God lives in them. See, we know how much God loves us. We put, God is love. See, that's what it all comes down to, is God being love. See, the good news is that some of us, man, we can barely get our own families to love us, but yet God still loves us. God chose to love us regardless. He loves us because he made us. He loves us because he created us. Most religions in this world portray a God who's angry at us. And our attempt as humans is simply to appease the God's anger, to try to get him to be not so mad at us. That's what most of the world religions are based on, this idea that God is mad and somehow I need to do something to make him not quite so mad at me. Instead, the Bible shows a God who loves us and is trying to win our affection. Is he a God that is full of justice and mercy? Yes, he is. He's a God that disciplines and corrects and does all kinds of things, but at his core, he is love. Love is something that we can't demand it from him, we can't earn it, and we can't win it. See, in your notes, God doesn't love you because of who you are. He loves you because of who he is. It's not because of what you've done or how you look or what you've accomplished. It's not about any of those things. It's about the fact that he is love. As we just read, God is love. 
and love is essential to God's character. See, true love, when you truly love someone, you want the best for them. You want the best for them. When we as humans love someone else, like we want the best for them. And when God loves us, that means that he is thinking about us and he has your best interest in mind. Now, you may not know the why that you're going through the situation that you're going through. You may not know why you've faced the struggles that you have. You may not know why you've had the pain that you have in your life. But know this, God is love and that he is still in the details, that he is still working in the situation, that he loves you, and he's working to make you more like his son, Jesus. See, God's love is amazing. God's love is amazing. Human love, not so much. But God's love, you can reject God, and he keeps on loving you. You can walk away from him, and he keeps on loving you. You can ignore him, and he keeps on loving you. It will not lessen his love for you. There's nothing that you can do that will make him love you any less than he does in this instant, in this moment right now. This moment right now, you have God's full amount of his love. He loves you. He loves you so much. In your notes, our stupidity does not make God love us less. Isn't that good to know? The stupid things that we've done in our life, the, 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 the things that we've done that we're not proud of, that does not make God love me any less than he did before. See, his love is constant. His love is unfailing. His love is unwavering. Now, just as my stupidity doesn't make him love me any less, on the flip side, my faith and my goodness does not make him love me any more. See, there's nothing I can do to earn more of God's love. That was something for years and years I struggled with personally. I thought, Maybe if I do all the right things and say all the right things and act all the right ways, then maybe God will love me more. Did you know there's nothing that you can do to get God to love you more? You already have the fullness of God's love. He loves you to the maximum capacity. You already have the full measure of God's love. You can't earn any more of it, and you can't make it decrease. It says here in Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 18, it says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. This is three-dimensional love. He said, I wish you could understand the volume, the capacity of God's love, how wide it is, how long it is, how high up it goes, and how deep it is. If you could only grasp the amount of love that God has for you, you would never be the same. It would transform your life if you realize how much God loves you. Continues on, says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. You'll never fully understand how much God loves you. But then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, God loves you immeasurably. If only we could realize how much he loves us. See, the most, most of us, you know what we measure love by? We measure love by how good we are. Or we measure love by what we do. 
right? If you do something for me, then I'm going to love you more. If you do something that hurts me, then I'm going to love you less. If you are attractive, then I'm going to love you. If you compliment me, then I'm going to love you. But we can't grasp a love that is undeserved, a love that is not based on performance, a love that's not based on looks, a love that's not based on what somebody is doing for me or what I am doing for them. We cannot comprehend this unconditional love that God has for us. See, in your notes, God knows everything about us, and he still loves us. Isn't that crazy? God knows everything. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. He knows everything. He knows what you did last summer, last week, last night. He knows what you did, and he still loves you. Imagine that. He's not like, uh, you know what, you've just went too far this time, you know. You just cheated on your taxes one too many times, that's it. See, God's love for us is something we cannot even comprehend. You are loved despite your failures, despite your sin, despite your past, despite your shame. Even if you feel that you have nothing to offer. And what do we have to offer a God who made everything? What do we have to offer him anyway? We have something, our love. See, God still loves you in spite of all these things. Now, this doesn't mean that we're made right with God. See, God loves us even if we're walking away from him, even if we're doing things that displease him, even if we're doing things that separate us from him, he still loves us. And he still offers a free gift of eternal life. The good news, the gospel. So as a result of God's unfailing love, You don't have to compare yourself to other people. We often fall into the comparison trap, trying to be like somebody else, to keep up with somebody else. We don't have to compete for attention. You know, if you grew up in a family with maybe multiple kids, like you know what that's like, right? To to kind of compete for mom and dad's attention, perhaps. We don't have to compete for God's attention because he loves you. God loves you, and he loves you just the way you are. Now, I don't particularly like the idea that has kind of come in, I don't know, maybe the last 10 or 15 years, maybe longer, this idea of participation trophies, right? You know what the participation trophies are? It's like, oh, you showed up. Here's a trophy, kid. You know, it's like, like, but you didn't win, right? You just showed up. Like, that's all you did. Well, we want to make everybody feel good. Yeah, but they didn't win. And it's like, so, so we get these participation trophies. And, and I don't really like the idea of that. In fact, um, I, I, won a, I won an arm wrestling tournament uh, a couple years ago. It was probably my second or third arm wrestling tournament. And I, I won first place, and I, and I got the, the, the trophy to go along with it. The only problem was this, okay? I had been training, and, and it, was, it was left arm in my weight class, and I trained for it. I was ready for it, and I showed up, and there was no one else in my weight class. So they're like, you got first place. I'm like... Can I just arm wrestle you for it? They're like, no, you just, you just you showed up, and so you got it. I don't like participation trophies like that. And yet, God's love is much like that. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to beat everybody else. God's love is offered freely to each and every one of us. See, in this case, you've already won. You've already won. You have his love. What more could we want? Just because you are you, just because you are alive and you are his creation, you have his love. For many of us, we're trying to prove, though, that we're worthy of God's love. Trying to prove it. 
You ever think, like, how much am I worth? Many of us, we don't feel like we're worth very much. But how much are you worth? Do you know how much an object is worth? Like, take a painting, for example. Do you know how much a painting is worth? A painting is worth however much someone is willing to pay for it, right? Like, like there was a piece of, uh, you say, say you have a piece of art, and, and you know, I might look at it and say, wow, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. Well, it's worth 50 bucks at that point, right? But somebody else, like, like in an auction, somebody else says, I'll give you $50,000 for it. Well, okay, now, now it's worth $50,000. Somebody says, I'll give you $5 million for it. Wow, it's worth a lot. Like somebody sold, I think it was like last year, they sold an invisible sculpture for $15,000. Okay, invisible sculpture. In other words, they had a little platform, and they said, the sculpture's on here. Well, we're, it, it's invisible. I'm like, really? Like, they paid good money. How much is it worth? Well, I don't know. Apparently $15,000 because somebody paid good money for nothing. Um, I'm sorry, an invisible sculpture. I don't want to give any disrespect to whoever scam artist came up with that idea. <laughs> Here's the thing. What is something worth? It's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Look what it says here in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. How much are you worth? You're worth so much. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. If you have kids, like I bet there's nobody in this world that you would sacrifice your children's life for them. And yet that's exactly what God did. How much are you worth? You're worth so much that God sacrificed his child for you, to die on the cross for you. See, this is how much God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only son. And here we are, where we're like so afraid, I'm so afraid. Now I gotta somehow earn God's love. No, you are loved by God. You are valued by God. What is your value? Your value is this. Your value is that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. And you know, it's your mistakes do not change your value to God. The mistakes that you've made in your life, it doesn't change your value. Some of us, we go around feeling like, well, you know, because of all I've done, because of my past, because of my shame, because of what I did, or because of what happened to me, that somehow I'm worth less than someone else. No, no, your mistakes, what you've done or what's happened to you does not change your value to God. And on the other side, God is not waiting for you to mess up so that he can judge you. What kind of loving God is that anyway? See, God is a God of love. Now, there is right and wrong. There is good and evil. But you are loved by God. And no matter what you've been through in your life, those things do not define you. It does not define who you are because you're loved by God. God. You may feel insignificant at times, but you have value to God. You might feel like, you know what, uh, if I'm a piece of artwork, I'm not worth anything at all. I'm not even worth the canvas that it's painted on. But no, God has given you value because of what he paid for you. It says this in Romans 8, verse 38, and we'll close with this verse. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Underline that. He says, I'm convinced, I'm positive, I'm 100% sure 
This, it's clear to me that nothing, not one thing, can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is good news. It's good news to know that there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. See, you are loved. And when you know that you're loved, you don't need to live in fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. You were created to love and to be loved. This is at the core of our being. We all crave this. We want to be loved. And God is the one who gives perfect love. He is the one who gives the perfect love that casts out fear. And we can come any way that we are. You don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to clean up your mess. You just come as you are. Come as you are broken. Come as you are depressed. Come as you are discouraged. Come as you are fearful, addicted, full of rage and anger, broke, angry. You just come as you are. And he loves you. But he also loves you too much to leave you that way. This week, as you go through your life, as you walk by a mirror, you see yourself. You see a person who God loves. A person who a high price was paid to save them. When people may come against you, when people start comparing you with somebody else, or you start comparing yourself to someone else, remember in your mind that God loves me as I am. I can't earn any more, and I can't make it go away. I can't be separated from his love because you have value. You have worth. Let God fill you with his love, fill you with the experience of knowing him. May we understand how much he loves us. It's a never-ending supply. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. And there's nothing that can separate you from it. But you may not feel like you're good enough. You may not feel like, I don't deserve God's love. Well, don't give up because God is not giving up on you. See, God's love is enough. And do you feel like you deserve it? No, I don't deserve it. And you don't deserve it. But that's what makes it the gospel. That's what makes it the good news is that even when I don't deserve it, he still loves me. Even when I'm broken, he still loves me. Even with all of my past, he still loves me. You can't earn it and you don't deserve it and you can't get any more of it and you can't get any less of it and you can't make it stop because he loves you. He loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you more than you'll ever know. No, and wherever you are right now, you might feel like you're abandoned. You might feel lonely. You might feel broken. You might feel hurting. You might feel like, like, I don't know if anybody loves me. Know this, that God loves you. May we understand the width, the depth, the height of God's love. May we understand it and live in the fullness of knowing that God loves us. And in return, offer the love back to him and have the relationship that he desires to have with his children. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And we thank you. We thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. That nothing can separate us from the love that you have for us. 
that even in our darkness, even in our brokenness, your love never fails. Your love is abundant. It's overflowing. It meets us right where we're at. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, don't let another day go by. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loved you so much that he made a way for you to be made right with God if you call on his name. Won't you call on his name? If you believe God raised Jesus from the dead, you call on his name, say, Jesus, you are my Lord, then you'll be saved. You'll be a part of God's family. Not something that you can earn, not something that you deserve. It's the free gift of eternal life. So God, we just come to you now and we thank you for your abundant love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the freedom that you offer us. We thank you that even in our darkest days, you've loved us. That even in our best days, you've loved us. That even when we've went far from you, you've loved us. And Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for being ever faithful and ever true. And we call on your name now. We receive your love. Help us to understand the depth of your love for us. Help us to understand and live in the fullness of that. Let us not strive any longer to try to earn any more of it, but relax and sit back and rest in the fact that you love us and that you've made a way to heaven with you one day through calling on Jesus Christ our Lord. So we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We thank you that you have loved us. So now we can love you in return. Now we can love others in return. We thank you for choosing us, for creating us, and for making us in your image. In Jesus' name, amen.